Peacemaker, from the sermon series, Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Pastor Sunita Pantan. Happy Valentine's Day. Whether someone calls you their significant other or not, please know that you are significant to me. You are significant to your Metro Church family, and you are most importantly significant to God. So we love you, and happy Valentine's Day to all of you. Now, if you're like me, your job is pretty intense so that there, when you're working, when you're not working, rather, you'd actually rather not think anymore. After I have spoken to people and studied and written and responded to emails and, and, and uh, been on so many Zoom meetings, at the end of the day, much less the end of the week, I don't want to think anymore. I love my job, and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but it is intense. So I like to indulge in mindless fun. Now, some of you create art. Some of you play video games. I like to watch television. And having been at Metro for so long, I know there's so many of you who love Korean dramas, and I love them too, but I can't even watch that because I don't want to read the subtitles. I want my brain to be completely off. So instead... I watch reality television, specifically the Real Housewives series. Don't judge me. (laughs) Inevitably, on these shows, there's at least one person whose sole purpose is to stir up trouble. The women will be out at a fancy dinner, and she'll bring out something that happened weeks prior or something she saw on social media, or she'll start gossiping about someone. It generally ends in arguments, name-calling, and someone storming out right after having thrown a drink in someone's face. And like I said, please don't judge me. I can feel the judgment through the screen. Those people are peacetakers. They see a somewhat calm situation, and they feel the need to stir up trouble. They take away the peace. On these shows, there's usually also a peacekeeper as well. This is the person who tries to avoid conflict at all costs. She will acquiesce to whatever is said. She will try to minimize any damage done. Or she'll completely disengage. This person tries to keep the semblance of peace, or rather just the status quo. Very rarely do we encounter a peacemaker on one of these shows. Maybe it's because there are very few peacemakers in reality, or maybe peacemaking just doesn't make for good television. The peacemakers deal with issues head on and actually do the hard work of being honest and mature, leading to peace and not destruction. To the extent that reality TV mirrors real life, you might want to ask yourself, are you a peacetaker, a peacekeeper, or a peacemaker? Peacetakers are dangerous because they don't want anyone to enjoy peace. And peacekeepers can be dangerous as well because they embrace a false peace. But a peacemaker is a true gem because he or she will do the hard work to arrive at a real, authentic peace. Christ calls us to be peacemakers. As we have been learning in the past six weeks, in the Beatitudes, Jesus sets the standard for Christians. Building upon each other, he calls us to be poor in spirit, to be mournful, to be meek, to to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, to be merciful and pure in heart. And today, he tells us to be peacemakers. Now, you might think that this is a long and somewhat impossible list, and in many ways it might be because it reminds us that we need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do any of this. And if we want to commit 
to living out these characteristics, as we have seen, there is a blessing attached to it. We are supremely happy. We have a spiritual joy. We are divinely favored by God. As we move through this seventh characteristic of a true disciple of Christ, we see Jesus calling us to be peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Fun fact, this is the only time in the entire Bible that you'll see the word peacemaker, even though the concept appears throughout the Bible. But to understand what a peacemaker is, first we have to understand what peace is. Peace is perfect welfare. It is what the Bible calls shalom, wholeness, or, or harmony. It is serenity, fulfillment, and liberation from anything that hinders contentment. It is God's greatest good for you. A peacemaker, therefore, is someone who works for shalom, for wholeness and harmony rather than for strife and discord in all areas of their life. They actively seek to reconcile God to people and people to one another. This person actively seeks peace and arrives, excuse me, and strives to make it occur. Peacemakers ask themselves, how can I be a part of establishing peace whenever it is threatened or lost? Peacemakers are promoters of peace, not just people who are willing to keep the peace or worse, the status quo. This is the work of true Christians who follow in the footsteps of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And Jesus promises that those who live as peacemakers will be called children of God. If you want to be called a child of God, then you must be a peacemaker. But how can that be? Aren't we all children of God? Well, well yes. All believers are children of God, but only those who are peacemakers are called what the Greek would term sons of God. That would be the literal translation from the Greek, not the way we might see in our Bibles like the NIV, which strives to, be, to have more gender-inclusive language. The point is not to exclude women, but there's a distinction in Greek. There's a slight nuance that hints not at a generic title of children, but about likeness of character. Peacemakers are called children of God because they share the character of God. Peacemakers are not just in the family of God, but they actually bear resemblance to God in their character. They actually act and operate and live like God. God is the God of peace. And when we live as peacemakers, we demonstrate the character of God. God is reflected in us. This is why peacemakers are called children of God. If you want the blessing of being called a child of God, you must be a peacemaker. You are never more like God than when you are living as a peacemaker. Let me say that again. You are never more like God than when you are living as a peacemaker. Because peacemaking is about reconciling relationships. It's about bringing people together. It's about bringing peace in a relationship where hostility once existed. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. Jesus came to make peace between God and humanity and humanity with one another. We behave like Jesus when we seek to do the same. Jesus came to reconcile a sinful humanity back to a holy God. Our sins had separated us from God, but it was through the death of Jesus and him taking on our sins that we have been brought back into relationship with God. We now have peace with God because of the death of Jesus. Jesus. 
Later today, we will celebrate communion and we do it as a reminder of what Christ did for us, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. But it was because of his broken body and his shed blood that we are reconciled back to God. We have peace with God. There is no longer the chasm of sin that separates us from God. And it's all because of Jesus. But not only did Jesus reconcile us back to God, granting us peace with God, but he also reconciled us back to one another. Have you ever really taken a good look at the cross? It's not just about the vertical line between us and God. It's also about the horizontal line, bringing us all together to meet in that one sweet spot in the middle. Me and God reconciled and you and I reconciled. Jesus brought peace between all of humanity. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 14 through 18 reminds us, for he himself, meaning Jesus, is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him, we have both, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Jesus brings peace between people. There should no longer be divisions between people on the base of ethnicity or race or gender or ability or socioeconomics or, or anything really. Nothing should separate us. Jesus has broken the wall of hostility. He is the ultimate peacemaker. We are being called to live into what Jesus has already done by being peacemakers. We are never more like Christ than when we are living as peacemakers. And if that wasn't enough to convince you, the Bible makes it even clearer that God has given us, his believers, the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have a charge from God. It is to be ministers, messengers of reconciliation. Another way to put it, we are to be peacemakers. Because we have been reconciled to God, we are now charged to reach out to others. Whenever we preach or share the gospel with someone so that they can be reconciled to God, we are operating and living and moving like peacemakers, the sons and daughters of God. When we offer prayer to someone, we are being peacemakers. When we serve as a soulmate to someone, we are being peacemakers. Last week, Pastor Peter talked about the, the importance of being soulmates with someone. Now, if this is your first time hearing of this concept, we are not talking about the person that you're hanging out with on Valentine's Day. Soulmates are the person that you are honest with, that you confess your sins to, and that this person in return offers you Christ's forgiveness and brings you back into relationship with God, the forgiving, saving love of God. When you are someone's soulmate, you are being a peacemaker 
bringing someone back into the light of God where sin can no longer separate them from God. Peacemaking, however, is about more than bringing about spiritual reconciliation within yourself or even with others. It involves actively working for peace between enemies. I think this is the hardest part for most of us. Peacemaking involves bringing peace in our personal relationships. It means bringing peace in our communities. It means peacemaking at home, within your family, on your job, in the church, in the halls of Congress, throughout all of society. We are called to live as peacemakers. I am always a Christian, which means I am always called to be a peacemaker. Now, let me say this first. And this is a freebie. It sort of undergirds everything else I'm going to say. It's foundational. You cannot be a peacemaker unless you first accept the peace of Christ yourself. Peace receivers become peacemakers. You can only be a peacemaker if you have accepted the peace of Christ for yourself, meaning that you yourself have been reconciled back to God. You have proclaimed faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior and accepted the peace that comes from being reconciled with God. You must receive Christ's peace first if you want to share that peace with someone else. This is fundamental because what the world regards as peace is not peace. Passive aggression is not peace. Ignoring issues is not peace. Refusing to call out sin is not peace. Acting as if harm did not occur is not peace. We must commit to being peacemakers in the only way that peacemaking is actually able to occur. God's way. So how do I live as a peacemaker? First, to live as a peacemaker, you must take initiative. You must take initiative. Many times the Bible calls us to be peacemakers. The psalmist says, seek peace and pursue it. The writer of Hebrews tells us to strive for peace. And in Romans, Paul tells us to pursue peace. This means that being a peacemaker requires more than an internal or even external peaceful disposition. It means we have to actively make peace through reconciliation and bring together those who were estranged from one another. You may have accepted God's peace and may personally live a life of peace, but God requires that we make peace to help us bring about peace. Taking the initiative means that sometimes we will have to stir up the waters a bit. We might have to be the ones that the world says causes conflict or disturbs the peace. Peace does not mean the absence of conflict. Peace is needed because conflict actually already exists. Peace is not the avoidance of strife or appeasement or accommodating. Rather, it's about completeness and wholeness and restoration. We have to be discerning because what looks like peace might actually be avoidance. Remember the image from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality? Things look nice and calm on the top, but there's an entire iceberg underneath. There is stuff under there that must be addressed. EHS is about making peace. Soul Care, the series we just concluded, is about making peace. You may have to unearth some things, but it is only in doing so that peace occurs. Many of us have been taught to avoid conflict. In many ways, it's cultural. Women, we've been taught to be quiet and stay in our places. More and more, I'm learning that the Asian immigrant culture has been taught to not stir up the pot and and to not draw any attention that might be considered negative to oneself. We have been taught to sweep everything under the rug and keep going. 
There are so many things that we're not supposed to talk about in our families, in church, out in the world. We're not supposed to talk about sex or money or politics. As a result, too many of us are unable to have civil conversation. We go from avoidance on one end to screaming matches on the other end. Too many people are hurting, though, because of our silence. That is not peace. Whether in your home or on your job or in the church, unresolved issues lead to bitterness, resentment, or disengagement. But true peace comes from dealing with true conflict. Jesus took initiative to create ultimate peace. Jesus confronts the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, the religious leadership of his day. Keep reading Matthew, and in chapter 23, you will find what are called the seven woes, where Jesus directly confronts the leadership. He says things like, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice a child of hell as you are. Ouch. That really hurts, especially coming from Jesus. His point was not to hurt their feelings, but to call them to account for their actions. But Jesus didn't wait on them. He took the initiative because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were leading people astray. They were keeping people further from God rather than bringing them closer to him. Where are there arguments or unresolved issues or, or pain or hurting that's pushing you or someone you know or love further away from God rather than closer to God? That is where God is calling you to be a peacemaker. Later in chapter 5, Jesus will instruct us specifically to take the initiative where conflict exists. He says, if you're about to go and, leave your, and, and, and give your offering and you remember that someone has something against you, it's not even your issue. He says, leave. Go make amends with that person and then come back and bring your offering. Who is God placing on your heart as you listen today? Who do you need to take the initiative with? Is it your spouse? You sleep next to each other, and yet you are somehow hundreds of miles apart in your heart. Your child, they're changing, and you haven't quite figured out how to connect with them anymore. Maybe it's a relative or a friend that you try to avoid at all costs, and you're secretly thankful that COVID gives you an excuse to not have to be with them anymore. Jesus says to take the initiative to resolve conflict. If the burden is on your heart, take the initiative and deal with the issue. To live as a peacemaker, you must be willing to take the initiative. Second, you must be willing to be honest. You must be willing to be honest. Now, sometimes being completely honest with someone is hard because we don't want to hurt their feelings. We won't lie per se. We just won't tell the whole truth. But being a peacemaker means we might have to hurt someone's feelings. And believe me, it pains me to even say that. I never want to see someone hurting. But if we want to live as peacemakers, we have to be willing to do as we swear in court, to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I have to point this out because Pastor Shirley reminded me that at the end of that statement, they say, so help me God. Being completely honest is hard. It's so hard that even the world recognizes that they need the Lord's help to do so. It's hard, but it's required for peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And yet he says in Matthew chapter 10, 34, 
Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. This does not sound very peaceful to me. Jesus is telling the disciples that conflict is inevitable. He's telling them that even believing him will bring strife in relationships, son against father, daughter against mother, and so on. Then there will be a clash of loyalties. But the purpose is because we will have to take a side. We will have to take Jesus's side. We will have to take a side, and that side is always the side of truth. This may seem antithetical to peace. It may sound like you're actually creating more conflict. Why not just be accommodating? But remember, the goal is always peace with God and peace with one another. Peace cannot exist where lies exist. It's false peace because it's based on lies. Your spouse asks you, what's wrong? Because you've been slumping around the house lately and you say nothing because you don't want to cause an argument. That's not peace. Something is wrong. And your partner can't help you assuming that he or she is the problem if you don't tell them what the problem is. You don't like something someone said. And when asked about it, you lie and say everything is okay. It's not. You're hurt. And that's your truth. And it deserves to be heard. Even within the church. We disagree with a change that has been made or we feel left out of something or, or someone did something to us, whether intentionally or not, that hurt us. And we just begin ignoring the person or we disengage from church. And rather than say anything, we let it fester in our homes, in the church, on our jobs, out engaging in the world. We say we're at peace, but we're actually grumbling in our hearts. You're hurt. And that's your truth, and you deserve to make your voice heard. Being honest also means telling others the godly truth about themselves. Have you ever served as a mediator or, 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 um, between family members or friends or coworkers? Part of your responsibility as a mediator and a peacemaker in those moments is to be honest with people about their own behavior. Peacemaking means I will be honest with you about your sins and your areas of growth. One of my criteria for friends, whether they know it or not, is for me to listen for them telling me the truth. Because then I know that I can honestly trust them. We all think we're great in our own eyes, but a true friend calls you out on your nonsense. A true friend is honest with you. Peacemakers have to commit to being honest with people about where you have gone wrong, where they have gone wrong. Maybe you're listening to your friend complain about their spouse or their boyfriend, and they start telling you about some of the things that they did, and you know that that wasn't right. You have the responsibility to tell them that is not right. You were wrong. You need to apologize. Peacemakers are honest. And speaking of apologies, the third thing we must do to live as peacemakers is to forgive and seek forgiveness. Forgive and seek forgiveness. Peacemaking involves overcoming our natural inclination to, to have advantage or retribution. Peacemaking ends the cycle of wrongdoing and revenge. We are not looking to hurt the other person when making peace. We actually want God's very best for them. That's shalom. That's peace. To get there. After taking the initiative and after being honest is to forgive others and seek forgiveness yourself. 
Peace cannot live where there is bitterness or where you hold your hurts or where you're keeping a list of all the things that someone has done wrong to you. Peace demands that you forgive the offender. You've heard it so many times here at Metro. Forgiveness does not mean that the other person has even asked for forgiveness. It doesn't mean that that person didn't actually cause the harm. Forgiveness is what we do to clear our hearts and open our hearts to the love of Christ to flow through us. It's God's command to us, and it's for our good. As peacemakers, we are called to be patient and forbearing with one another. We're not so easily offended, but rather assume the best of other people and exercise love. Paul encourages us, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This means that you have a part to play in peacemaking. We forgive because that is how peace is established. Peacemaking also means that we seek forgiveness when we have offended others. We apologize because what matters is the relationship. We seek to understand the harm we have caused and we genuinely, out of love for God and that other person, we seek forgiveness. We name the wrong we have done and we apologize. And please, 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 please don't give up one of those sad apologies like, I'm sorry if I offended you or I'm sorry if you took it the wrong way. When you say that, what you're really saying is that you don't believe that you have hurt the other person or that they don't deserve to feel hurt by what you said or did. But it doesn't matter what you think. What matters is how you made the other person feel. Apologize for the feeling you invoked, even if you didn't intend to do so. Here's a good approach to an apology. I'm so sorry that when I said or did X or Y, X, I made you feel Y. I would never intend to hurt you. I will try not to do it again. Can you please forgive me? And know that there is still work to do. You'll still need to work on restoring that relationship, rebuilding the trust, or whatever has been lost. And we seek to no longer repeat the same mistake. As peacemakers, we have the obligation to be thermostats. Oftentimes, we can control the temperature of a relationship by how we behave. Do we invite peace or do we stir up drama? Do we live in truth or do we spread lies? Do we join the gossip or do we quell it? Do we fan the flames of discontent and hatred or do we settle them? Do we forgive or do we hold grudges? We must be willing to forgive and seek forgiveness. Now, let's just be honest. For many of us, thoughts of confrontation or speaking truth or forgiving and seeking forgiveness are overwhelming to us. We are afraid. We fear rejection. We fear being hurt. We fear being wrong. We fear it not working. And the truth is there is no one formula for peacemaking. Unfortunately, peacemaking doesn't just involve you and your desire for peace, but it involves another person. And sadly, human inclination is often towards war and strife, whether in our homes or even across the globe. Peacemaking is hard work. It is thankless work sometimes. And sometimes the fruit of your labor isn't immediately recognized. Peacemaking can involve taking hits from multiple sides. Jesus had to endure the sin of humanity and the punishment of God. As peacemakers, we may have to endure ridicule from others or resistance. We may have to spend a lot of time waiting for peace to come. 
It can be frustrating at times. I have a cousin that I just can't seem to make peace with. I have reached out to her. I've apologized. I've spoken with her. I've prayed for her. My family members think that I should just leave it alone, but I can't. Me and my father are slowly inching our way to peace, not because there was a huge conflict, but because feelings have been hurt along the way and so many things have gone unspoken. But I refuse to give up on my family. I refuse to give up on what God has placed on my heart. I am called to be a peacemaker. You are called to be a peacemaker, even when it's rough and our efforts have, and our efforts have not failed. We do not, we do our part and trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest. There may be rifts within your family that go back before you were even born. You may have apologized and you're waiting for the other person to receive your forgiveness. You may find yourself in a state of limbo waiting for peace to prevail. This is why peacemaking must be bathed in prayer. Prayers for your own strength and endurance and prayers for others to have open hearts to receive it. Don't give up hope. Just Jesus gave his life for our peace and he's still waiting on us. The story hasn't ended yet. Seek after peace and pursue it. Be committed to peace. It's God's magnificent work in human history, the ministry of reconciliation, and he's calling us to be a part of it through peacemaking. And we don't do the work of peacemaking alone. We maintain confidence in Jesus's peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is with you. Christ promised that he will be our peace and he will give us peace. One of my favorite stories in the Bible of many is the story of Jesus with the disciples out on the stormy sea. The disciples are freaking out and Jesus is asleep. And they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see the storm? Don't you see the chaos? And Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind and the waves simply by saying, peace, be still. And just like that, the storm stops. The disciples are so terrified and fascinated, they start asking one another, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And it's Jesus. It's, it's our Jesus. But you know what I have learned? It's probably easier for the wind and the waves to obey Jesus because they don't have free will like us. Conflicts exist in our relationships and in our world, but Jesus has already declared peace be still. He has placed the burden on our hearts. Peace be still. And when you determine to live your life as a peacemaker and others determine to live in, as a peacemaker in their lives, we will see peace manifested. This is my younger brother. He's coming up on the screen. He and I have a nice relationship but for many years, we have grown up together in a home that didn't really address issues. We just sort of avoided certain conversations with one another. I realized the preach in our relationship many years ago, and I mentioned it to him, but it didn't bother him that we weren't as close as I thought we should be. I prayed a lot for our relationship. And then back in 2019, seemingly out of nowhere, my brother started calling me more. He began texting me more. He lives in Atlanta, by the way. We were having long conversations on the phone. Honestly, even though I had prayed for it, it was sort of weird for me. And then one day, he intentionally asked if we could talk. And we had a long conversation about our mother's death 
and the subsequent events. We shared how we each perceived certain things that had happened, like how when I moved out of the house, he felt as though I had abandoned him. It was a hard conversation for both of us. And he mentioned things that I had done that hurt him that were really hard for me to hear. But it was necessary for us. Our relationship is so much better than what it was before. In fact, when I called him to ask permission, he said, yeah, that's what it's for. So that you can share, so that we can share what we've been through to help others. And I'm grateful because for so long, I thought he didn't care. But when he was ready and he allowed God to move in his heart, he took the initiative and he was honest with me and we asked and received forgiveness from one another. Peacemaking is hard, particularly in interpersonal relationships, but if you are willing to do the hard work, it is worth it. God is calling you to be a peacemaker. He is calling you to do the work of peacemaking, reconciling people to God and to one another. When you live as a peacemaker, you become a co-creator with God, creating a world of peace. And you earn the title child of God. Will you join him? Will you show up as a child of God in this world and be a peacemaker? Let us pray. God of peace, we pray now that you might give us the strength and the courage to be peacemakers in the world. Whether it's in our homes, whether it's on our jobs, whether it's in the church, whether it's out in the world, God, whether it's bringing communities together, however you're calling us, Lord God, we pray that we will be committed to being peacemakers, that we can live and act just like you, God. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. As you know, our sermons don't just end with the sermon. We do have some next steps. If you're new to Metro, there's something called the communication card. You'll find it either in the app or on our website, emetro.org Sunday. And I want to walk you through those next steps. And if something applies to you, check it off and we'll get back to you. Number one, I want to experience the peace of Christ through a relationship with him. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ before, I invite you to do so today. Check that box and one of our pastors will get back to you and explain to you everything that you need to know. Number two, I will memorize the Beatitudes. Maybe you don't memorize scripture anymore. This is a great way to do so as we're going through the Beatitudes. Number three, I will take the initiative and begin an honest conversation with someone whom I need to make peace. Number four, I will ask forgiveness from someone I have hurt. Number five, I will forgive someone who has hurt me. And number six, please contact me about joining a small group. We hope that you will take this sermon and live it out throughout the week and the next months and years.